It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. Governor Chris Sununu gave his final State of the State address this week, and state lawmakers consider ways to enforce immigration laws at New Hampshire's northern border. Joining me now to talk about these stories and more is NHPR's senior political reporter, Todd Bookman, and New Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. So Governor Sununu is now in his final year in office, and he won't be running for re-election this fall. This was his fourth State of the State speech. What were some of the highlights, uh, Ethan? Yeah, so overall, this speech was kind of looking backward at the governor's legacy. There weren't a lot of items looking forward for the last few months of his administration. But he made a case that over his seven and almost eight years in office, he's made New Hampshire a more attractive state to live um, by lowering business taxes. He pointed to investments that have been made in recent years towards housing to address the state's housing crisis. Uh, He talked up uh, the role of school choice that has expanded with um, education freedom accounts and also a a robotics program that the state has partnered with with first robotics from dean Kamen. Uh, he highlighted years of investments in the mental health system uh, in creating beds and a new forensic hospital that's underway as well as the state's doorway system which is um, designed to help um, centralize resources in the opioid to help um, combat the opioid crisis Uh, and democrats uh uh, contested some of this record. They pointed to um, areas where the state has fallen short. They looked at um, high energy costs, um, high local property taxes, persistent homelessness, um, you know, difficulty in the housing market that has persisted, uh, the rental market being off kilter. And they've also pointed to the state's 24-week abortion ban that the governor signed in 2021 uh, and some, some decreasing t- school test scores since the outbreak of COVID-19 that uh, indicate that the, they say that the state has, has gone backwards. Now, Ethan, I know that you revisited a number of his uh, of Sununu's speeches over the last seven years. How would you sum up Sununu's time in office thus far? Sure. So one of the big themes, I think, has been the economy. This is a governor who has had, frankly, quite a lot of money to spend in his seven years. Now, Republicans and the governor would argue that the reason for this is the business environment that they've created. We were primarily funded by business taxes, and they would say that we lowered business taxes over the seven years, and that has brought in all this revenue. Um, The analysis, economic analysis on that is mixed, but one other thing that's worth noting is that this governor has benefited from some events in federal events out of his control that have really helped the budget over the years and has helped him um, kind of craft this sort of legacy that he has right now, one of which was back in 2017, the, t- the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act um, in Congress brought repatriated a lot of money into, frankly, every state in the country. And um, I think you were seeing coffers in every state um, overflowing with business taxes that year. Uh, and then you had COVID-19 later, uh, mm-hmm. which brought in nearly $4 billion in um, total pandemic money that went to the state in various forms. And I think what you've seen is this governor has been able to capitalize on that and kind of, uh, you know, have his cake and eat it too. It, he's It's really kind of a sweet spot for a, especially a moderate governor, not a Republican governor in New England to be able to cut taxes, um, not have to cut programs, keep a balanced budget, and also pay for new programs. And I think that that has helped kind of um, 
provide a bulwark politically yeah. for this governor against the you know Democrats who've been trying to point to um, areas that they see him as falling short in. Sure, timing is everything. You know, during his address, uh, Ethan Snoodoo talked about New Hampshire's role in, in immigration enforcement at the nation's southern border. This has made a lot of news recently. Now, later today, he's planning to request funding from the legislature to send soldiers from the New Hampshire National Guard to Texas for that purpose. So, Ethan, what, what, the, what was his reasoning for, for getting New Hampshire involved at, at the border in Texas? Sure. I think there's two tiers here. Um, I think the kind of more immediate local tier is the um, opioid crisis, which has turned into a fentanyl crisis and continues to persist in the state. Um, and I think that's w- that's what the governor and what Republicans um, are primarily pointing to. There's also an undercurrent of this election year and this particular issue being an animating force that we've seen at the national level and at the local level, and uh, especially at the gubernatorial level where there is a heated um, two-party primary um, underway and in which the Republican side of that fight has really um, focused on the border and on this issue. So the governor went to Eagle Pass, Texas, with 14 other governors uh, earlier this month, and Eagle Pass is where he would dedicate $850 thousand dollars um towards putting national new hampshire national guard members there he's going to make his pitch on that today i think what was notable is during his state of the state speech yesterday that pitch specifically got a standing ovation from republicans in a speech that did not actually get many standing ovations the one uh, one of the major moments that did was the idea of sending national guard um, Mm -hmm. members so we'll see how that plays out but it certainly seems to have his party support yeah it's a good example of how uh, national um, uh, issues uh, have have taken over in in state state legislatures around the country now it's not just the southern border that has sununu's attention he and state republicans do want to allocate more resources to new hampshire's northern border with canada and they're backing a bill that would rewrite the state's current use law which Seems kind of dry. Now, to this end, I want to bring in NHPR's Todd Bookman, because, Todd, you reported on this measure this week. What would this bill do specifically? Sure. So this this bill would allow people who have land in current use, this special tax status, uh, quite dry, as you said, Rick, um, but also the folks who get the special tax reduction for allowing the public to recreate on the land, uh, they would be permitted to put up no trespassing signs. Again, I know this sounds kind of wonky, but it's actually a huge amount of land that's in this special tax status in the state. It's like one and a half million acres. That's like about a quarter of all private land in the state. The bill would affect a lot of the land, but it's actually only targeted at this very small handful of people who live along the Canadian border. And the idea here is that if, if a migrant comes across the northern border, they could then be arrested for trespassing by local police instead of having to wait for the border pol- patrol to, to arrive and, and arrest those folks for immigration violations. So uh, it, it's very much sort of like this backdoor way to enforce immigration law. And we've heard top Republicans say this is necessary because, you know, the federal government just isn't isn't doing enough here. Now, what have you heard from those who are opposing this bill, Todd? Well, you hear sort of two main arguments. Um, One is that it's not necessary because there are so few people actually coming across the New Hampshire border. Uh, But the other thing we've heard is that, you know, there's a fear that this is unconstitutional, that it's going to lead to racial profiling. Uh, The argument is, you know, what what is going to distinguish a a hiker who's wearing boots and a backpack who is legally allowed to be on this land, to be on that land recreating, you know, from from a migrant who, who may be also wearing boots in a backpack. And and so it's very possible that this thing sort of ends up in court if it does become law. Now, there's certainly disagreement over what is actually happening at the northern border right now, as you alluded to, Todd. But Ethan, you heard this week from from a Canadian official that the border 
is working fine. Hey, tell us more about what they had to say. Yeah, so I sat down with the Canadian Consul General for New England. Uh, her name is Bernadette Jordan. This was last week. This was after she gave a speech to the New Hampshire House. And I asked her about the border. Obviously, it's turned into, as I said before, um, quite a potent election issue in the state, particularly on the Republican side. And she made the case that the northern border is working very well from Canada's perspective and that there have been an increase in apprehensions. But she says that they track with an increase in border crossings as well, legal boarding crossings, um, after the border was closed um, um, during COVID-19. And so she looks at the apprehensions as evidence that the system is working well and not evidence of there being an issue. Um, She also stressed to New Hampshire lawmakers the importance of the New Hampshire border economically for both regions and noted just the amount of tourism that flows in both directions. It's something that I think that uh, Eastern Canada is hoping to rebound more. Uh, It has been rebounding, obviously, since the border closed, but she wanted that to um, increase. Mm -hmm. And she said that she feared that if there was more attention and there were more stringent measures put in, that it would take away from the economic benefits. Right. It's Morning Edition on NHPR. We're recapping the week's news with the Hampshire Bulletin's Ethan DeWitt and NHPR's Todd Bookman. Now, yesterday, the state Senate voted on three different gun bills. All three measures were backed by Democrats and were voted down by Republicans. So, Todd, what were those proposals? Uh, sure. So there was a, a red flag law bill. Uh, this um, exists in, in about 20 other states. It allows either family members or law enforcement to petition a judge to temporarily take someone fire, someone's firearms uh, when they are in crisis. Uh, there was a bill to expand background checks on all commercial transactions. And then the third bill that, that was killed, it was a, a mandatory three-day waiting period for purchases. And you know these debates were, were pretty lengthy on the, on the Senate floor yesterday. We had a lot of Democrats arguing that they are uh, basic common sense in a country consumed by gun violence and mass shootings and an uptick in suicides. Uh, the Republicans often countered that these measures in, in some way or another would infringe on Second Amendment rights and weren't really focused on mental health, which which they argue is, is really at the at the root of gun violence. Yeah. So all three of these uh, measures were, were shot down. Arguments we've heard, of course, uh, before. Is there any chance for bipartisan gun legislation this session in New Hampshire, Todd? Yeah, there, there is the, the, the one major bill that has some bipartisan support. It was spurred by the shooting at New Hampshire Hospital last year. Uh, it would essentially put New Hampshire in line with the 40 or so other states that report um, uh, involuntary commitments to mental institutions into the federal database, what's called the NICS system. Uh, the bill would also have a method for people to then uh, appeal to get their guns uh, back after they've recovered. That hasn't come up yet for a vote in, in the House. It is likely to face some opposition from some hardcore gun rights backers. So so we'll have to see if that gets through the House. But that is a bill that on the surface has a lot of bipartisan support. Okay, we'll be watching for that. Uh, Ethan, you reported this week that lawmakers are weighing a proposal to allow New Hampshire's school districts to hold partisan elections. Why, why push for this? Yeah, so this is coming from a Republican Representative Diane Power. And uh, it should be noted that already New Hampshire allows for towns to hold partisan elections. You have to opt into it as a voter. And so this would expand that to school districts. But what's interesting is that very few, if any, towns apparently do hold partisan elections, even though they could. Um, Clearly, this is coming against a backdrop where we've seen um, school districts and school boards become politicized first during COVID-19 and now during kind of um, an emphasis on race and LGBTQ rights in schools. And so 
if this moves ahead, then it would give the voters of a town the option to opt into partisan elections. You could still uh, a candidate could still run as a nonpartisan um, candidate, but the local town and city parties could also nominate. And so mm. if that passed, it would be interesting to see which communities would seek to avail themselves. Yeah. Previously, school boards, as you said, they've been viewed as largely nonpartisan and administrative. Now we're seeing this, this heightened level of polarization across all levels of government uh, down to school boards. So, Ethan, have you seen the politics of school boards evolving in recent years right here in New Hampshire? Definitely. And as I said, I think COVID-19 was sort of the wedge in the door to bring national politics into uh, school boards. I think I think what you saw during COVID is it was kind of one of the primary outlets for people who were frustrated, inside, um, you know, cooped up inside, yeah. um, unable to work, for instance, to express themselves politically. And that has carried forward in the years since COVID. And we're seeing that. And I think that opposition to this bill, opponents have said that in, in allowing for partisan elections would only encourage that further. Yeah, okay. Ethan DeWitt, reporter for the New Hampshire Bulletin, and Todd Bookman, our senior reporter here at NH- a senior reporter here at NHPR. You can find more of their work and all of the stories that we talked about this morning, by the way, at NewHampshireBulletin.com and at NHPR.org. Ethan, Todd, thank you both. Thank you. Thank you for having me. While you are at NHPR.org, by the way, we also suggest that you check out the New Hampshire News Quiz. It's a quick, fun, and informative way to test your knowledge of the week's news. You can sign up to get the quiz emailed to you, or you can check it out every Thursday evening. It's fresh at nhpr.org slash quiz, but it's available anytime. And if you missed part of today's segment, or if you want to catch up on previous week's New Hampshire News Recap, you can find the New Hampshire News Recap wherever you happen to listen to podcasts. And next Friday, it's a fresh one, as always. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition from NHPR.